Good evening, everybody. It's episode 67 of Manifesting with Meg, and I'm so glad to be here with you this evening in the month of May, Awakening to Creativity, with my incredible guest, special guest, author Diana Cooperschmidt. And what we have tonight is going to be all about a life-led and creative abundance and so much wisdom, so much information, because guess what? She is a writer of a memoir, and she's putting out the vulnerability of her story in the world, so you guys get to like understand some concepts that perhaps you might be experiencing yourself but yet living through her beautiful eyes and Emma's beautiful laugh so before we begin I'd like to remind you guys this show is about transformation dreams inspiration true happiness discovering bliss it's time to manifest your dreams I also want to be aware that this is mental health and wellness month so let's talk about that tonight like literally going through the darkness navigating through that coming into the light you got to walk through we walk through together and it's even better together so before we start Diana just set your intention we do that it's aligned with my book the magical guide to bliss 366 daily insights to guide your way and tonight um we are going to set our intention minds always to have a great time and to inspire and to connect with whoever wants to listen we have luba pays my bff so excited diana so you've got fans in the room so even better starting off with a bang i love it so i get to do the honors of introducing diana she is a social worker she holds a master in social work and works for the department of health and early intervention program a federal entitlement program servicing children birth to three with developmental delays and disabilities so it takes a lot of patience for someone who has that beautiful talent to show up in the world like that she has published online in the manifestation power of moms mother well magazine still standing magazine her view from home and huffington post so she is this is her first actual book memoir but she is well written and well out there so after this interview i would definitely encourage all of you to take a look at her work also she is a photographer specializing in newborn family maternity and event photographer uh, i'm sorry event photography she lives in new york as well so anyone who's out there and wants to capture some incredible pictures this lady is super talented i definitely want to encourage you guys to go to instagram and check out her pictures she's a lot of fun always got creative content always engaging to the eye she does definitely has a creative passion for working in the photography area as as well as social work so i mean imagine you know we all can be so many different aspects of our personality and we have leslie and suzanne here all saying congrats to diana and welcome to the show you got your sister here too i love this so the family affair so even <laughs> so diana welcome did i miss anything no you covered everything you did great thank you oh my great god to be here so happy to have you and I, I definitely want to start off by showing this beautiful cover that beautiful little girl of yours Emma's lap the gift of second chances you know um I know this is really amazing that you're sharing her story with the world at this point in time because I know there's a lot of people out there who probably walked or is are walking in your shoes maybe not to the same extent but certainly you sharing your story and your your pain and your perseverance and all the gifts of your beautiful daughter the gift of second chances are going to help so many people so tell me a little bit about this how did you come about to write Emma's laugh well um, I started writing after she passed. Um, 
And it wasn't something that I wanted to do, obviously, but I felt compelled to make sense of our 18 years with her um, and the fact that she left so soon and, you know, the struggles that we initially encountered when she was first born and we realized that she had um, that she had a rare genetic disorder and there was no prognosis and you know I initially grieved the loss of this perfect healthy baby that I was carrying that I envisioned having so that was the first stage of grief and then when she passed that was like the ultimate you know grief and so I started writing to process and to make meaning um, and you know the words turned into paragraphs and pages and I don't have a background in writing so I figured if I'm going to do this then I should get some training and learn the craft so I started taking workshops and I got really positive feedback so encouraged me to continue to write her story and then in the writing of it you know five years later this story unfolded I got to reflect on the last you know the 18 years that we had with her which I wasn't able to do when she was alive because the way I describe it is like when you're in the eye of the storm you're not really you know you don't have perspective right yeah. it's after the storm blows over because when you're in the storm you're just you want to get to the next day you want to survive yeah. you know? survival <laughs> right yeah. and then after the fact you're kind of like assessing the damage and you're looking at the rubble and you're trying to unearth you know, what remains, right? Memories and insights and that sort of thing. So that's, you know, that's what I got out of writing the book. Um, I found it, it was, I started writing it for selfish reasons, but, you know, I found when I finished it and when I started sharing with people and, and people started reading it and giving me feedback that people were touched by it. So even though they didn't have the exact same story, obviously, that, that happened to me, they, it resonated with them, you know, in terms of loss, maybe, or their experience, you know, of parenting, uh, or just, you know, the way life sometimes hits you where you realize that you don't have control of that many things, you know, you sometimes barely have control over yourself, certainly not other people, and certainly not, you know, events that happen. What you do have control over is how you deal with it, how you handle it, you know, the how, right? You know, you have so, an incredible story anyway, because you were not born in the United States, right? You came over, I think you said in 1970, I, I don't know, 79, 79, you came over as a, uh, were you uh, um, an asylee or were you a refugee at the time? We were refugees. We were Jewish refugees. We were, you know, um, we were escaping religious persecution. It was very systemic in the former Soviet Ukraine. And so, you know, the first opportunity we had, we came here. I was nine. Wow. Um, and I felt very fortunate. And I think, you know, because here I am belonging, thinking that I belong to one country, my country of origin rejects me. And then I find myself on new foreign land and I have to learn to belong here, right? Make a place for myself. So. I, you know, a lot of the decisions that I made initially relating to Emma had to do with the way I was brought up and, you know, the whole sense of like perfectionism, right, uh, that I strived for. And so I strive to have a perfect child. We came to this country and I strive to, 
you know, uh, make it so that my parents did not, you know, sacrifice for naught, right? So we had something to prove as immigrant children. We had to be successful, you know, we had to prove our worth. And yeah. so by extension, then our children had to continue that journey, right? So when Emma was born, it was a shock to the system because we were young, we were healthy, we didn't know anybody that had special needs kids. and. We, we didn't know, we unraveled. We didn't know how to deal so with it. She, she's your first child. She's your My first, first child. child. So, so, first. You, so how old were you when you had Emma? I, I don't want to date you if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I don't mind. Uh, I was 26. Okay, so, so you were 26 and you yeah. had, you were expecting your first, you didn't, did you know anything was happening? Did I know that anything was wrong with her or? No signs. It was a very easy, um, good, happy pregnancy. Um, they missed obviously something when they were doing the, um, the scans because she was very small when she was born for full term she was four pounds 12 ounces yeah. and the sonograms didn't indicate that you know she was microcephalic she had a small head circumference and i don't know how they measured her but they you know uh, there were no signs that we were aware of and when she was born it was a shock because she had some dysmorphic features she didn't look healthy she didn't cry you know, she was kind of greenish and floppy. And I immediately said to the doctors, something is wrong. And I was very careful in the way I phrased my words because I didn't want to be, you know, uh, rejecting. Like, I didn't want to be maternally rejecting. Like, how does that look? <laughs> you know, yeah. my baby is seconds old and I'm already rejecting. Isn't that amazing that you were, con you, you, you were so aware of that. At the same time, I'm hearing this and it's more like mother, mama bear, you know, someone better take care of my child here. Like you're protecting her. Like there's something going on. I need someone to help her. You know, it was more, it sounds to me more like that, but it's so interesting that you're like wording it. I'm just hoping that, that, you know, maybe that's kind of the background that you came from, you know, you know, making sure that your words were carefully used because, you know, you wanted the doctors to not consider you less than a mother, which is fascinating to me because for me, I mean, I remember when I had my child, I'm like, someone better take care of this baby. Like right now, I was like really kind of like on it. Um, yeah. yeah, so fast, so, so, so let me ask you, um, one of the most amazing things I think that for you at this point in time is the unfolding of the story. And I know you shared it with me. Maybe you can go into what happened after you did determine that Emma had a disability. Yeah, so I did not deal well. And, you know, ironically, I'm a social worker and I had history working with special needs kids, you know, kids on the autism spectrum. Uh, and here I am not thinking that I can care for my own special needs child. Mm -hmm. And that was just, I mean, it was shameful. I felt guilty, but I was not coping well because I couldn't envision uh, any kind of a happy life with a special needs child, with a disabled child. I didn't know that I would go on to have two more healthy children and that we could make, you know, a life, a happy, a, a joyful life out of it. But at the time I saw darkness. I saw that I was going to, uh, because the narrative that I understood, you know, society basically said that people with disabilities lived a tragic sad you know existence and they were to be pitied and they were to be relegated to the margins and i was going to live alongside her in that space and i did not want to do that and i didn't think that i would be the best person 
to care for her. So, you know, I say it was a selfish and a selfless decision, both when we decided to, the social worker at the hospital approached us because she saw that I was not doing well. And so she broached the subject of considering placing her for adoption. And my reaction was shock initially, but also guilt and shame because I thought, well, if I can't raise my own special needs child, like who would want that, you know? And the truth is that there are people that have a calling, I, I learned, that do that, you know? And so we decided that if we were gonna find a good family, that we would consider it. And that's exactly what happened. We found uh, an Orthodox Jewish family and we visited them first. They had three adopted Down syndrome kids and they wanted, they had two boys and a girl, they wanted another girl and they were just like so loving. And we left thinking this, she's gonna do well there, you know? Yeah. And she was five months old uh, because we were waiting for the adoption to go through. She was five months old. Every day I visited her at the the medical facility where she stayed. She stayed like in a long-term facility and I stayed with her every day. And then she was about five and a half months when we gave her up. And I was already pregnant with my son because I wanted a do-over because I wanted to get it right this time. This is what I told myself. But you know, I have to tell you, Suzanne saying you are human. This is a human reaction to a very human situation. So it's interesting, you know, I, I and, and I'm saying this for the purpose of just bringing to light wellness, right? You, you understand where you are at the time you are, what you know at 26 years old, you know, as you know, uh, having an immigrant story, like, like you said, having to show up into this particular situation, having just had a baby, literally just having a baby, it's a lot of hormones going on too. So it's overwhelming. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I did not handle, you know, pregnancy well, and I didn't handle having a baby well, I literally like, I kind of wanted to go back to my life again. I didn't want to, you know, I kind of wanted to go back to everything going, like going out with my friends and I have a newborn, you know, and I can't imagine, you know, having the added, you know, you know, challenge of, you know, dealing with a newborn that has a disability. So going back to what you were saying at five and a half, you know, she was five and a half months and you were already pregnant again because you wanted to do it. I, I literally think that right now what you're saying is, so incredibly honest and and truth really because you know who's to judge nobody at least as far as what your path was how you walked it so tell me a little bit more about what happened next because i know it gets even more incredibly interesting from this yeah. <laughs> right so we we give her up uh, uh, it was a conditional surrender to a two-family household and then i find out that my husband and my parents are visiting her behind my back unbeknownst to each other like separate times and my husband makes a discovery that allows us to bring her home because the conditions under which we gave her up no longer existed so this was so then we brought her home i realized that this was my do-over this was my second chance right so the you know really the story it's a love story um it's about you know rejection acceptance and the gift of second chances because i think you know life you know, I say it can be very fair. It can give you check- second chances. You just have to be able to see it and, you know, and acknowledge it and take the opportunity. And so we had an incredible opportunity to reverse an adoption, which I I know is very uncommon. It doesn't happen very often. I, so- I've, I've literally never heard it <laughs> to me. I, I don't know a lot about, but I just, you know, usually when you it's always finality or whatever terms or conditions like you 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 agree to, but that you got to take her back to you 
you got to right. bring it home. Yeah. Yeah. And we were very fortunate because, you know, I say that we, we knew what life was like with her and without her, and we preferred the former. Because yeah. I started, I you know, I realized mm -hmm. that we made a mistake and that's when my husband told me he'd been visiting her and he found her you know under those circumstances so had i not had that conversation telling him that i think we made a mistake yeah. and i'm like this pregnant i'm like 11 months pregnant you know yeah. i'm nine months pregnant I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it feels like 11 though i can tell you that much right you're just like get this baby out of it <laughs> right it felt like 11 months yeah i was eight months pregnant <laughs> with my son and i said you know we made a mistake i think we made a mistake and that's when he told me and so everything you know i always say like not that everything happens for a reason but things happen the way they're supposed to so yeah. if you take a detour which we did in our case i did you know i got a chance to kind of correct course which i'm very grateful for and so i swore that for you know the rest of her life or my life i was going to make it up to her you know for those like five months lost she came back more medically unstable than when we gave her up. She came back on oxygen, so she was on oxygen for three years when, you know, when she slept, um, so she came back less healthy. And so we had to get her better. Yeah. Well, Layla is saying she's so proud of how courageous you are and being so honest oh. about your fears. Oh, thank I mean, you. I think that, you know, something when people actually are honest, like I said, vulnerable with their story, they do free other people to, to embrace the detours, right? And handle life differently instead of being shamed for the whole life, but actually using that as a way to, you know, see whatever happened and 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 make it right. And, you know, I have to go into the cover because it says Emma's laugh and clearly that beautiful face, that beautiful little girl. Tell me why you called it Emma's laugh. Mm. So, you know, she had a lot of great qualities, but our favorite, I mean, her, this was her signature laugh. So she was nonverbal, um, except for two words, mama and Emma, and the best two words in the world. Yeah. But she, and she had this silent laugh. And this laugh, uh, like, shook her whole body. Like, she folded in half. I say, like, a marionette whose strings were, you know, released. And she had this tremendous, you know, lung emptying laugh. So I, I, at one point, I remember I would like jump out from like, I'd be hiding somewhere behind a wall and I would jump out and she was sitting on the couch one day and she literally fell off the couch. Like she rolled <laughs> off the couch. I mean, like she had low muscle tone, but like her laughs were debilitating. They just completely took over and and that was but they were silent you know they were silent so and tremendous and so that that was our you know our best um her best feature her best quality so her laughs were silent yes oh my god but tremendous right tremendous. <laughs> i'm getting goosebumps because imagine that you know someone has that kind of joy it doesn't come out in actual sounds but it comes out in energy and that's gonna i'm gonna turn to the other part of the conversation that i wanted to to talk to you about you said you had emma for 18 years in your life and and i don't know if you want to talk about it or just allow people the opportunity to read the story when they go and grab your book because you're going to buy this book because you want to see how beautiful someone who goes and faces a huge challenge especially when it deals with motherhood and children and that yet turns this into something even more beautiful that she's going to share with so many people at this point in time so so i don't know if you want to share that part of it when uh, when and when she ultimately passed away but i do want to share i do want to share with everyone 
the beautiful spiritual connection you made with Emma when you went to see the medium and how that opened up your life to something really magical. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole, I think, if not for my meeting with the meet, and I still feel kind of weird talking about it because, you know, I'm, I'm newly spiritual, right? Like, she passed and I was not dealing well and one of my friends, one of my good friends told me about this medium in Long Island, not the Long Island medium, like a, a, male, <laughs> a male medium. And she said, I saw him and he's great. He's highly recommended. He's doing this for 30 years. Just go and talk to him. Like, you have nothing to lose. And I was already open to it because I was already reading. I had, you know, I dabbled. I read, you know, James Von Prague and John Edward. Like I dabbled and I read some books about. Can that. I ask you how long after you after uh, Emma passed away did this happen? Did you did you? Um, we had we had a conversation like two weeks after she passed, and then I made an appointment to see him a, okay. you know, a month later. So literally, it was a month after she passed. Okay. And so very. Question: yeah, yeah. Was it a sudden? Was it a sudden um, passing, or was it something that? Oh. Well, it was sudden because she was medically stable um, and the doctor that made the prediction that she wasn't going to live past her first birthday when she was still an infant, you know, we were kind of like middle finger in his direction because (laughs) here she is, almost 19 years old. But the truth is that she developed pneumonia and it wasn't anything that she caught. I guess like her body, you know, she had an unproductive cough, so things must have festered, you know, she was not ambulatory. And it's it's sort of like how, you know, older people are affected by pneumonia because they're not ambulatory. She wasn't ambulatory. And it, so pneumonia took over and then acute respiratory distress syndrome, syndrome and then she was hospitalized and intubated. And then we decided to extubate her because her organs were shutting down and she, I, believed she was suffering we were suffering and and i felt that she was suffering so that's how it happened but the pneumonia it was very unexpected because as i said she was medically stable we were like we we were exhaling we didn't think we had to worry about her health any longer wow um yeah so i went to see the medium and but before i saw him i already started like reading like do dead people see you shower like and everything that I can get my hands on you know I started reading spiritual books yeah because I had to believe that this was not the end right like this could not be the end of the story the end of the play this cannot be the end so I started reading and then I made the appointment with him and in the interim I returned back to work very early like two weeks after she passed because I couldn't stay at home. I, I could see her in every corner of the house and I just, I needed to, a distraction. So I went back to work. It was a difficult day. And on my way home, you know, I kind of made a mental, I sort of mentally said to her uh, in our apartment building lobby that, you know, just let me know that you're okay. Just give me a sign. I didn't, I didn't expect an answer or anything. I was just, whatever. I was desperate and I was talking into the ethos. (laughs) So I said, give me like, just let me know you're okay. Right. And, and literally five minutes after I walk into our apartment, there's a package from her school. And I assume that it's her like extra leftover clothes. Cause we we would send extra clothes because she would chew on her clothing and bib and whatever else. So I thought they were returning her clothes and I opened the package and it's a framed picture of her that the teachers put together a large frame. They blew it up. And in that picture, she, she used to blow kisses by like putting her lips together and like doing popping, like this is how she blew kisses. 
And in this picture, she's poised for a kiss. So literally, she's like, she's blowing me a kiss. Oh my god. In this I, I know. So, I know. I was like so I'm on the floor weeping because this is my sign. This is my sign. I asked her to let me know she's okay and she did. So now I'm feeling a little bit crazy but also hopeful at the same time because like what is happening? Yeah. Um and when I go to see the medium, he says to me, "Have you gone to see somebody else or have you yourself connected with her?" because he's like I'm getting the sense that There's it. you already made a connection and I was like I did make a connection with her. I didn't go to anybody. I would connected with her myself. And he told me and he comp- he immediately connected me with her, with my grandmother. My grandmother had passed 3 years prior and she had lived with us for 12 years, so she was oh, very wow. close to Emma. Yeah, and her great-grandkids, all three great-grandkids. Oh, and wow. I was very happy to like have that gift and be able to give that gift to her at the end of her life. And so you know my grandmother you know so the medium says all right there's an older woman like a, gra- a grandmother type and then there's a younger woman next to her and the gra- the older woman is saying like basically like she's here we like picked her up from the airport everything's good <laughs> like yeah. and i'm sitting like oh my god <laughs> the airport and then he's like and then he's like there's a dog and did you have a dog so you had a dog that you that you lost and then i'm getting you know a holly and holly's my sister's name like he's just pulling stuff out and i'm like crying because yeah. you know like he told me things that he couldn't have known had he like searched my history i mean there were certain things about the dog especially that nobody knew not on facebook not you know a lot of my friends didn't know i had a dog when i was pregnant with emma that came to a very untimely end while i was pregnant with emma Wow. And so this dog is here with Emma and my grandmother and like the whole family, the whole mishpacha. We say, right? what did you call it? What did you call it? It's a Yiddish word. Family is mishpacha, which is mishpacha. okay. I love it. Don't try to repeat it. I, I won't. I'll probably say a different word that probably would not be as as attractive. But right. so, like, okay, so I'm a true believer that there is so much beyond the veil, and it's only a veil. It's very thin. And the thing is, you know, the beautiful thing about your experience what I'm hearing is that you had confirmation that all you have to do is ask and they respond. And and I know that because of my own experience losing my my mother, but you know, and having really kind of incredibly very uh, like woke moments where I'm just like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" and you feel a little nuts. But the reality is is that there's more of us that are experiencing those kind of things that the more of us like even like you know I like to call it spiritually eclecticism and it sounds you know Suzanne is like mediums are real and that is <laughs> chilled I mean They more and and I think there's a beautiful like Mary Oliver said pay attention be astonished and tell about it and that's the beauty of storytelling and the fact of the matter is you started writing after you went to the medium correct Yes. That's when the story started coming out for you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sessie's here. Yay! Sessie's my medium. <laughs> well, oh, nice. Yeah, she's no, she's the one I went to after my mom passed away and she connected to me to my mom. And Sessie told me, you know, while I was like having a, like I felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. She looks at me and she goes, "Your mother saying, I thought I str- I thought I raised a stronger woman than this." <laughs> yelling at me from beyond like, oh, like so get back together and start you know wake up and 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 come back to the world but yeah you know i want to go back to one of the um 
the beautiful thing about my my book and the quote for today, um, it is Randy Pausch. And Randy Pausch is the one who wrote the last lecture. And one of my favorite quotes that he says, it's not about what you how do you achieve your dreams. It's about how you lead your life. If you lead your life the right way, the karma will take care of itself and the dreams will come to you. And I, and I, I read that and I'm like, you know, it's so beautiful because you had this experience that could have been a missed opportunity, yet how you lead your life is to turn around and take advantage of the second chance and not bash yourself you know for doing what you did but actually embracing that and the family comes together and you heal together again which is i'm sure your children impacted from the life of your daughter emma there you all like literally i mean i can't imagine if someone had that much energy to laugh and the the body would just like how much joy she brought to the family and i just think you know karma is a beautiful thing i think you know you know it can have one side or the other it depends on what you choose and how you choose to approach it but the heightened awareness and that's what we're talking about with with the medium this heightened awareness that our actions can affect our lives in unexpected ways and also other people's actions can affect our lives in unexpected ways as we sit we set out to lead the best version of ourselves and sometimes that is the best version at the time it doesn't like it's what what you know it's not necessarily that you have to be like you know at the end and like just embrace it like you did anything perfectly and and then i get to go to your beautiful quotes so let me do that really quick because this is where the fun starts to happen. You share with me your inspiration and you share with me your insights. And one of the quotes you shared with me that sounds to me like it comes directly from this whole approach to seeing the world. If it's not life or death, it's not life or death. And that's Abigail Thomas. Tell me what that means to you. Yeah, the actual quote is if it's not life or death, if it's not life and death, it's not life and death, which is this, I think it has the same meaning. but. You know, I don't know what she meant by it. Um, I, if you read her interviews, she she talks about you know um, every moment being precious, and I I agree with that. You know, to me, it means that when you experience something so tragic like a death of a loved one, then those moments um, take on a different perspective, right? So th- some moments have more gravity and some have less weight and then it puts things in perspective right like is this really a life and death situation and if it's not then you know take it for what it is you yeah. know um maybe a small like an obstacle or something you can overcome you know don't sweat the small stuff type yeah. of thing so i think it's a it's a way of you know experiencing life of, of being in the world when it, relatively speaking when you go through something traumatic and tragic things are put in perspective and i think that's what she meant by that because she also lost her husband and her book where she makes that statement is kind of in that vein so is this one of your pictures that you took is this uh, one of your pictures that you've taken or no this is not i don't know which, It's the one, one of the sunset. Yeah, yeah, I took that. That's it's, like it's absolutely beautiful, and, and I think that <laughs> it's a sunset, right? Yes. So you know, it's interesting because what what I see like is a sun setting on one moment in time, yet waking to a next. And the darkness comes, and then the next morning we can always rely on the light again. It's kind of like you know that whole concept, you know don't sweat the small stuff you will always have another chance as long as you get the opportunity 
to breathe the next day. So I love this. I saw that you were perfect and I loved you. Then I saw that you were not perfect and I loved you even more. And tell me about this. I, you know, coming from your experience and having the perspective that you have with Emma and in your life, I mean, tell me some, tell me about what this means to you. It's amazing. I think it's a beautiful quote. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think going back to the whole, you know, theme of perfectionism, right? So I, um, I was raised to achieve or reach for a certain, uh, a certain sense of perfectionism, right? And so I had an understanding of what perfection is. And what Emma taught me is that, first of all, there's no such thing and it's futile to try to even attain that. And then the other piece is that, you know, everybody has a different definition for perfection, right? And the truth is that I learned that Emma was perfect the way she was. She mm -hmm. wasn't broken. She wasn't that Russian nesting doll, the matryoshka that I used to play with. And I would say like when she would have like her corrective surgeries in the book, I talk about how are the doctors looking for her wholeness, you know, and that wholeness is that little small nesting the smallest whole um doll right at the center oh. and that and that's at at the core at you know that's at her soul right so oh that's so beautiful oh she, yeah she gave me a different uh you know i have a different perspective on perfection and what that means and um we're all imperfect we're all flawed in some way and i think that's perfection wow Right. It sounds like a, what a beautiful freedom she gave you to live life differently and to actually be in the world, not of the world. You know, it's it's that you're you're walking on your journey and you see gentler. You're you're not so judgmental anymore. And and I think that what a gift to have that particular perspective and what she gave you just. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Emma's advice right now, and and I and I think that's actually really and I you know and not having known her and 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 understanding that um, the beauty that comes from any person is to be welcomed and and accepted as the best version of that person as they stand, and this is what I wanted to go back to. It's not about what happened; it's about what you do with what happened, and that kind of ties into the whole idea of karma, right? It's as if you have experiences external to yourself, and you choose how you embrace whatever possibility comes from them. And it really does come from a point in time where where you stand at that moment. And I love, you know, I always say, today was the best, my best was crap, <laughs> but it was my best for today, maybe, you know, because I really like grabbing myself, pulling myself out into the world probably was a heavy lift, right? So I say, okay, well, this is not what about what happened, it's about what I did with what happened, right? So. Tell me a little bit about what this means to you, because I think that um, from your perspective, I mean, what a beautiful life and what a beautiful story you're telling to the world. And that's the whole idea of paying attention, being astonished and tell all about it. So go ahead, tell me a little bit more about this. Yeah, I think, you know, initially it has to do with, well, so I think that statement is true both for life and for writing. So when I was writing my book, my, my writing coach, Marion Roach Smith, said to me, like, it's not about what happened, it's about what you did with what happened. So write about not just the facts, like this happened and that happened, yeah. 
but what you did with that information. I and I think it. that's true for life as well. Like, it's also, you know, the questions that you ask yourself. So when Emma was born, we did not ask ourselves, why was she born this way? When she passed, we didn't ask ourselves, why did she pass so young? Because there, there are no answers for those questions. So we asked ourselves different questions, like, how do we go on? what is my why for living you know for continuing to go on and how do we do it right so all of these questions um is so what kept us going why, though i want to i want to ask you because that's pretty empowering right what you did you know didn't ask why it happened and i can tell you having experienced loss from my mother i was like why i i wanted to know why why is this why to her why not and it took me a long time to shift out of the why like it took me a long time and I don't from what you're saying that's not how you approach this whole experience it was more of how do we how do we create a legacy that others know her how did you do that because or is that just just a part of you that was just what you decided to do you didn't even go there I mean after she was born or after she passed both times both times because I think that you know two really incredibly powerful life moments where you could get stuck if you keep asking the why and you want the answers. You can get stuck in an abyss, literally falling into the hole, you know, because mm -hmm. you're right, there's no answers. Mm -hmm. There's no answers. But at the same time, you know, the shift, you know, I, I had helpers. I had people who came to me, healers who came to me. I was praying for some guidance to get me out of where I was because I, literally I could, I had a, I had a, you know, when my mom died, I had a, a two-year-old and a six-year-old and, and, you know, I couldn't do that to them. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do that to them, but I wanted to just crawl up into a, you know, hole and not come out. <laughs> you know, that's how it, it felt. Like, I think there's certain souls in your life that are so impactful and so, you know, provide you such love and unconditional love that it's hard to think about not being with them. So how did you go from, you know, that perspective to jumping out into, okay, now, now how do I live? Now, how do I live to honor her? Yeah. So initially when, when she was born, you know, we, there was no answer to the why. And we decided that we, um, we didn't have the luxury of not, tr not doing this difficult thing. Like, you know, and she taught us that, you know, you, we can do hard things. Right. Yeah. Um, and that it, it was almost like, you know, when, people would tell me like when she was you know older and they would see her limitations and that you know the struggles she was we would have a very happy life but physically it was difficult because she was growing and she was bigger and we had back problems and we we're aging and all that stuff and <laughs> we couldn't take her places because she yeah. was on ambulatory so there were a lot of limitations but you know um ultimately you know people say to me like oh you're so you know how do you do this like or you're so brave or i don't think i i'd be able to do that and my answer was always like you know you you could like if you didn't have a choice you know we thought we had a choice we gave yeah. her up but it was, it was that was not a choice because she came yeah. back i was supposed <laughs> to you know finish my journey that i started yeah. so um that you know my thing was like if you don't have a choice, you do hard things. You do what you have to do, right? And we didn't have the luxury of feeling sorry for ourselves. And, and not only that, there was nothing to feel sorry for, right? Yes, I was sad when she couldn't participate like in the vacations because physically it was difficult to travel with her and she had a seizure disorder. So every time she would be overstimulated, she would have a seizure. And so we couldn't include her into, you know, so that hurt me. It hurt me that 
she couldn't, you know, get up and run after her siblings who were like in front of her playing. That hurt me. But ultimately, she had a good quality of life, and we had carved out like, you know, this family culture, and we had a narrative, and we. We did. We were able to even pursue like our dreams and hobbies that we wanted to do. Like my husband and I ran for the ran uh, the New York Marathon, New York City Marathon, and he got to pursue his you know fencing love. He fenced, and I picked up photography. So we had these full lives. We had a lot of support. We had nurses,、yeah. and we had parents, grandparents, parents, and friends who accepted us and Emma.、Um, But at, you know, at the end of the day, it was like we had a very、um, happy existence. Like we carved out this this great family unit, you know, and and everything was kind of according to plan. Whatever, to what to the extent that we could plan anything.、Right? I can see here Luba is telling us that Emma was my bestie and my teacher. She didn't have to say anything to teach you love. Holly,、mm-hmm. she was the happiest and most loving, beautiful girl. And then you know, it's just amazing. It, it's interesting. You know, we see that as you know our children; they're coming through us, right? But the gift to the world it, now that you've written this book, now the gift to the world is her gift to the world is going to be even her expanse or her circle of influence is even going to be that much more because of the you know of you listening to the bray of your heart to write the story. And I love. I want to go back to that again because. I think that you know you went to the meeting. So what happened? Like, did something like switch with you when you left, and 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 or or what? Like, you just decided, okay, now I'm going to start writing, and、um, that's it. No, I mean, first of all, he gave me my life back because he he connected me to her. So then I had something to believe in, and I remember sitting in the car and listening to his、uh, his recording, and I was just like. I felt so hopeful because I felt like, okay, this is not the end of the play. And he said to me, he said, I mean, the way he described her, first of all, he said that she's a very evolved soul that only a very evolved soul can come back to this plane in such a limiting way and fulfill whatever she needed to fulfill or teach you whatever you needed to learn, whatever her role was. You know that she was very evolved, right? Yeah.、Um, that we can only aspire to her like high vibrations. I was、yeah. like, yes, that's Emma. She was an old soul. She was nonverbal,、yeah. but she was wise. And and you know, I she, I found my voice with her because I learned to advocate for her, and then I learned to advocate for myself and speak up and ask for things that I wanted. So he totally got her, and I was like, yes,、yeah. that's her. You know, yes, she, physically she was limited. But spiritually, she was a giant, right?、Yeah. And so I left, and I just, you know, I was processing the whole thing. I came home. I wanted to share with my husband, and my husband, I think I shared with you, he's a devout scientist. I、ah. like to say, like he <laughs> does not. Don't talk to me about this spiritual yeah. stuff. You don't、yeah. believe in the tooth fairy, which I'm like, that's not a thing. You can't compare these two things. Yeah, you know, I like took offense. I took、yeah. offense. I'm like. This is my belief. You can't, you know,、yeah. if I believe in the Easter Bunny or whatever, the Tooth Fairy or Santa Claus, you have to respect that. So we would constantly butt heads, and you know, but you know, he's a scientist. He's like a realist. He's like, if you can't prove it, it doesn't exist. And I said, you know what? We're, we're limited. We don't know what we don't know. So we're, we're, it's still an ongoing debate in our house. But he's more accepting of it because I said the truth is, again, if I didn't. If this medium didn't give me like hope, I wouldn't have written the book, and for no other reason, the book exists because of him, right? So, and I'm grateful for that. 
so you had two other teenagers in the house when Emma passed then. Yes, yes. So, so as far as, you know, how did, how did it impact the family as far as when she was there, like, um, you know, she needed a lot more attention. And Leslie asked the questions with regard to how did they react with the attention that she needed? Were they just, that's what they understood? You know, they were born into a family with Emma there. So, yeah. so I, I'm curious because, you know, um, what kind of compassion levels do your children have at this point? I can imagine off the charts, if you have an incredible old soul in your family, you know, literally tapping into those beautiful notions. But please speak to that yeah. if you can. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was just one of the gifts, you know, of of, of, being, of growing up in a unit with a special needs sibling is that it did make them very compassionate. And um, I remember we took a trip one time to Paris, you know, France with Hannah and Josh. And uh, there was a, a there was a homeless person, uh, a little boy, I think of nine years old, and he was just like, you know, prone laying down next to Gallery Lafayette, which is like this fancy, you know, department store. And his father was, you know, asking for money. And my daughter broke down. She started crying when she saw this little boy, uh, obviously very limited and, you know, different circumstances. And yeah. and and I knew why she was crying. But I asked her, I said, why, you know, why, why, what's going on? And she said, you know, I feel so bad because Emma has such a good life, right? And wow. here's this little boy on the ground next yeah. to a fancy department store and you know so i think they're much more empathic as people and yeah. they grew up to be like these social activists you know my daughter yeah. and my son both you know marchers they march for i love it for, for people's rights yeah they're so wow. outspoken and i'm so proud of them i think that had to do with them being wow. raised and growing up alongside emma and you know and understanding that they have these gifts, right? They have abilities and they have these gifts. And it's funny because we talk about that, you know, Emma was showing us to live one way. And so I treated her one, you know, a certain way, right? right. And then I treated my healthy kids differently because the expectations were different from them, right? right? They had right. abilities that she didn't have. She didn't have agency over herself. And so my, my goal, my role and my job as a mother was to help all of my kids reach their potential, right? And so the bar was set a little bit higher for my healthy kids, you yeah. know? Yeah. A little bit maybe, you know, I went overboard sometimes, maybe a little, like they had to get into the best schools and they had to, you know, play yeah. the, the, the instruments and they had to, right. So, but, you know, I, I hope they forgive me if I was a little bit, you know, too much in some instances. But, you know, with Emma, so again, different expectations and different conditions, but Emma taught me about unconditional love. I, it's an overused term, but it's true. Like with her, there were no conditions. The condition yeah. was just to be with her, to love be it. in the moment, to play, to laugh, mm -hmm. to blow kisses, you know, and conditions for my healthy kids were a little bit different because they had more skills. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, this is what you want, right? You want to be able to love unconditionally, to be loved unconditionally. And that was her lesson. That was her message. It's amazing. And I, I want to go to the point where, you know, you were saying, you know, the lessons of, of Emma, you know, the, the a life of, of uh, the gifts of second chances. Uh, I, I want to, you know, the, the journey is really kind of interesting, right? It's if we could write our own stories, what would we put in our stories, right? Would we put in this, that, and the other? And like you were saying, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we got 
an opportunity to experience through someone else's eyes that will heighten our own enlightenment, your know, evolution. You know, that was the gift of gift of Emma. So I want to go back to, you know, what makes you really truly extraordinary at this point, because you capture through your lens, the camera lens, beautiful, beautiful pictures of families. Like I'm telling you, everyone, you have to go on her Instagram feed because and we'll put it in the it's, it's go ahead give your at sign because people really need to see how incredible the perspective you know what's your instagram uh it's the, um at pics by dk p-i-c-s by dk perfect so you know i think that because of your experience you can capture beautiful moments in time that other people can't see and I think that, you know, it makes you go slower, makes you be able to process things. So, you know, the whole show, this whole thing is about how to manifest the life of your dreams. And I mean, the life of your dreams, your dreams, each individual's dreams, right? They're not everyone's dreams. It's what you get to actually dictate to your path, to your journey. So one of the things I do love to share about extraordinary people like you is clearly you have tools, you've gained tools. Maybe you had them to, you know, get through. You said, you know, you had to get through the moments in time because you had to survive all the different chance. But once you finally learned how to, how to, how to take care of a disabled child, and literally you're a social worker. So you had an additional education to help you approach that clearly. You know, I always say, I don't take my own advice sometimes, even if I have the information, I completely forget everything and I'm on starting up with square one, but you, you didn't. So now when you're moving, like what kind of advice can you give to other people to help, you know, manifest a life that aligns to passion and purpose now with the lessons that you've gotten from Emma's lab to the lessons that have come since she's gone? Because I think that a lot of people now are dealing with moments in time that are really challenging and, and then maybe they don't know how to navigate as well that they could probably use your perspective right now to to you know help them start the process yeah so for me i think i think the the lesson is that um sometimes you you find gifts where you least expected and that was emma right we didn't expect that it was going to be a gift we you know we literally hit the lotto with her um and then that you have to really pay attention um and for me the intention moving forward um is and i would advise this to other people is just to uh, make space for those important people in your life. You know, your children, your your family, your friends. Make space for them. Be there for them. Listen to them. Uh, um, sometimes I'm guilty of giving too much advice unsolicited. And then <laughs> my sister makes sure to tell me, just listen. You know, I just need you to listen to me and tell me things are going to be okay. So those are, you know, lessons that I'm learning. Um, and Emma taught me, you know, to pay attention, to pay attention to the moments. And I think it's good advice to give to everybody, right? Because tomorrow is not promised. Today is you're here in the moment. Enjoy it. Revel in it. Um, and, and yeah. I think I that, that answers your question. <laughs> no, it absolutely did. I think that literally one of my missions, my mission, I have a mission, um, is consciousness and pay attention 
is rising to a level of consciousness of being aware of your life and and not hoping for something else but really being present in the moment that you have and i think that that's quite beautiful because you know i don't really want the world to walk around numb i think that you missed your opportunity of your once around i think what you just said especially in light of the fact that you know offering that sacred space to people that you love as well to listen or to be heard i think it's quite beautiful and and i think it's perfect so let's go back to your intention for this beautiful hour today because we are coming up on the end and i would love for you to share what it was for your audience especially you know with your beautiful book and everything that's going to come into your life once it's actually into the world which is so exciting because what is your pub date now june 15th june's a month yeah less than a month away very exciting very exciting so tell me what was your intention today uh my intention today or my intention in general however you want to determine the question it's up to yeah. you that is your interpretation so i think my my intention as, as a whole like a life's purpose intention is and i'm going to quote uh, jen pastelov Oh, and so she says that when asked at the end of my life, you know, what I did, let my answer be I did love, right? So I think at the end of the day, it, everything comes back to that, right? Um, and it, that's what you want for yourself. That's what you want for your children. You know, you want your your the you know your children to know love and to be loved. And I think that's what Emma taught us all of us you know and she brought us together that way that's beautiful so what insight did you choose that would be perhaps a matching the intention tonight from from the magical guide to bliss what intention the, sorry. In, <laughs> the insight that you picked the you insight picked, yeah the page number that you picked for the magical guide to bliss oh the number seven yes. seven or so seven? did you so you got the insight right that you emailed me yes yes oh yeah yeah let me find it and then I'll just I'll read from that page. No, you can just read whatever you want for the page, actually, because I just want to because for oh, I'm, a, I'm a big synchronicity junkie. Like, I don't believe that there's any coincidences in this world. I don't believe us talking tonight is a coincidence. I don't believe that our paths cross at this moment in time as a coincidence. It's all synchronistic. And I look for I pay attention for the magic in those moments. I think that, you know, you know, they the Einstein quote, you know, you can look at everything as if it were a miracle or not a miracle. And I always choose the the former. I know I just badgered that. But the bottom line is that um, everything is synchronicity. So go ahead and tell us what you picked for your, your insight. From, so from this, yeah, from this insight, I mean, the first thing I noticed that we are here for just a short time. Mm. This is perfect. We must remember to seize each and every opportunity. The present moment offers so much more than we can imagine as we simply open our eyes and welcome what is right before us, breaking our routines, taking chances, and becoming becoming conscious of life's magic and miracles. Wow. I think that sums it up. I can't believe I just landed on that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I have to tell you, what a cool thing because the opportunity for you to tell Emma's story with Emma's laugh and all the wonderful connections that you're going to get along the way and all the gifts that she continues to give you because you took a second chance with regards to raising her and having her in your life. Not 
you know, she would have been in your life anyway because she was in the world, but intimately in your life. And I, I the word I was thinking about when I was preparing tonight, because I try to get my mind in it, it's the word intimacy means into me see. And it sounds to me when you're talking about Emma, she allowed you to see into her. And what an incredible sacred space, you know, in your family. And now you're going to allow others the intimacy to see within you. And I think with that gift, you're going to be a healing force for so many who might be going through some really big challenges because it doesn't matter what where they stand. It's someone who's sharing and lending a hand and you're doing it with your words. And I think this is amazing. So I really hate to end tonight, but you know, I want to make sure everyone knows where they can get Emma's laugh so we can support you. We can support your beautiful story and we can support Emma because she's still with us. And I want to make sure that people go out there and, and, and get your pre-sales because um, for someone to take a risk with their story like this, it is really the biggest gift to have someone read it and then let it go out to the world and have a life of its own. So tell us where exactly people can find your book. Yeah, thank you. Um, pretty much, you know, anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop, you can order it from your local bookstore. You can request it at the library pretty much anywhere. Yeah. And it's yep. available for pre-orders and pre-orders really help get you know the, the word out yeah i get the momentum going so i know emma's got her hand in all of this literally um absolutely yeah she's she's gonna be playing uh working this party i mean i'm sure she was a powerhouse here but even over there on the other side she's gonna be rocking it even more so um, i want you to all understand her name D diana d-i-a-n-a -A. last name is cooper smith c i'm sorry k-u-p-e-r S-H-M-I-T. I do a podcast in this form as well. I want to make sure people know your name so they can grab it and they can go check it out and, and, and get Emma's laugh. Um, our final moments are coming. I want everyone to like really contemplate this final inspiration from Diana because she's going to send us off into this May evening, wherever it finds you on the beach in Maui, perhaps in a beautiful evening in New York or New Jersey, in New York, obviously where you are and in Miami as well. We're all over the world and we all embrace each other in this moment. Thank you all for being here with us. So the gift of Diana is that she's going to share with us some final inspiration so that we can embrace our lives perhaps and remember Emma's laugh. So go ahead, Diana. Um, just, you know, love unconditionally and be there for your people and make space for people and and live your life with good intention. I think it's all about intention and embrace, embrace the moments. So go out there and love unconditionally. I think that we can heal so many who knows where in the world make a difference that'll have a ripple effect that may perhaps you know, find its way over to the Middle East tonight, perhaps find its way to some family who needs some love. If we all just extend the unconditional love of perhaps Emma, then we can all learn well and we can find the inspiration there in that sacred space. So Diana, I wanna thank you so much for being with me tonight. This is such a pleasure to talk to you in this beautiful thank May you. evening. You are fantastic. Once again, you guys go out and support her, get her book, Emma's Laugh. It's gonna be available on June say it again 15th 15th june 15th is going to be a magical emma day we're all going to celebrate emma together so her legacy still lives and we're going to honor that 
Thank you again, Diana. Thank you all for being here. You guys are awesome. You are engaged and I love that. Thank you so much. And I want you all to go out and become deliberate creators of your life. Give unconditional love to whoever needs it. Have that empathetic passion with the world and, and go out there and, and align your passion to your purpose raise the positive vibrations of this world we're in this together together we rise and let me tell you at the other end we're all going to look back and say this was a life well lived because i loved unconditionally and thank you diana thank you so much meg this was wonderful you're amazing you guys have a wonderful evening thank you everybody good night everybody thank you bye-bye